Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. We are at the location here in the United States and all the way to Australia with my great guest, Kelly Markey. She is an amazing woman. She is a woman that originally born in South Africa, moved to New Zealand, and migrated over to Australia. We're going to talk about her journey. We're going to talk about her work in information technology. She's really smart. Uh, she's an author of a great book, but her mission and her goal is to really to enhance humanity, to, you know, open up people's minds and make us more user-friendly, to use an IT term. So let's welcome her to the edge. Kelly Markey, how are you, beautiful? I'm great. Thank you. Delighted. Hello, Brains. Hey. I'm excited to be here today. Well, I'm so glad to have you. I've been waiting to interview you because, you know, we can talk about a lot. We can talk about culture. We can talk about technology, but we can also talk about humanity. Start with your story. Tell my brains a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Yes, absolutely. So I had no desire to write a book. I was just, you know, I guess the conventional person um, living life and I found myself in the thick of it with the pandemic being in lockdown and I had people from all over the world reaching out to me to tap into my brain and my lived experience to I guess find their mojo when the apple cart toppled and they didn't know how we were going to come out of this pandemic and then I realized that I have all this amazing journey gleans and you know things that I have conquered in life and people wanted to tap into and I realized oh wow I can share this with the world because I'm not sure if I'm going to come out of this pandemic myself so I decided to write and um, I wrote my debut book in uh, 10 days it has wow. so when I launched my book in less than a, than an hour I became a bestseller in 28 categories it's now in 57 countries and i've had amazing response from you know people all over the world that have uh read it and resonated it resonated in an amazing way and i think what make makes people gel with it is the fact that when i was going through all of these emotions that was real i couldn't find you know, how to get back on or how to stop the bleeding or where to turn. And I relate from the depth of my heart and people just grab onto it and actually like, wow, I've been there. I feel like you have written about me. So that's how it, the, book, the book has unraveled. And, you know, every beggar wants to show others where to find bread. And this book does more than just show people where to find bread. Well, hold it there for a minute so we can see. Look at that. Don't just fly soar. I'm trying to read the subtitle. Um, 
the inspiration and tools you need to rise above adversity and create a life by design. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you some real tough questions because I'm a black woman living in America and you are a South African woman, but you are a very fair-skinned, straight-haired South African woman. I'm sure that when you were younger, because maybe I'm guessing that we're in the same uh, generation, that you experience um, the effects of apartheid. Absolutely. So I grew up in the apartheid regime. And even though I fit a certain kind of a cookie as straight hair and fair skin, I relocated to New Zealand and then Australia. And unfortunately, I discovered the hard way that there was more discrimination outside South Africa. When you talk about discrimination and apartheid, immediately people gravitate to South Africa. And living in South Africa was, I guess, the easy part of my life because we're living in segregated community and it's right. a bubble. And that's all that's all you ever experience because you're going to a school that's all Indian, you're going to communities that are all Indian, you're going to the supermarket where, you know, it's the same race. And then moving to the cosmopolitan melting pot in New Zealand, I actually had a woman when I worked in pharmacy throw the prescription at me and saying she did not want to be served by a black person. And, you know, I talk about that encounter in my book and how I grew from it and many other encounters that was eye-opening because you you grow up in a country thinking, yeah, you know, we are the worst because apartheid basically uh, originated here. That's what everyone thinks. And you get conditioned in a way. And then it was a shock to my system to see that people actually live this way despite international borders oh well you know i uh talk to a lot of people from south africa and they say the same thing that you are in this bubble in your community everyone looks like you talks like you has the same traditions the culture so it's not like you're going to work or you're going to school and you're being discriminated against you're already living in segregated populations. However, when you cross pollinate or when you uh, intersect with other people, you may have challenges. The laws may be different. The rules may be different. The economic and social status might be different. But again, like I said, you're living in your own pocket. When you step outside of that and then you go to another country, you know, I could say this in California, you go to some cities, uh, you know, or some states, and they treat you like sloppy seconds. And one woman said, well, you need to go back where you come from. I'm like, hell, I'm from California. Where do you want me to go back to? You know, but it's their ignorance. And what people fail to realize is that we are more alike than we are different. Yet and still, we are different. And I want to be respected and honored for my uniqueness. I don't want to be a carbon copy of anyone else. So I know that it was a shock when you moved you know, to New Zealand, you're thinking, wow, this is gonna be really cool and I'm gonna have all these experiences. But how did you grow from that? How did that make you a stronger woman? Look, 
Yeah, you, it, it's not a, a one-on-one guide. You actually have to find your mojo in the thick of it. And um, I had I had an expert that I wanted to read out of my book, but one of the things that I um, have included in my book, and I know that you know, there's so many uh, antidotes and so many experiences in here. But one of the things that really spoke to me, which I've included in here, is the fact that I'm a blood donor. And I have been a blood donor in South Africa, in New Zealand, and in Australia. And I do this, you know, for the obvious reason, reasons to sustain life. I'm also um, an organ donor. So, you know, if anything happens, that's on my license and people can, you know, go through the, the mandatory process to, you know, make that happen. And what dawned on me is that people don't judge you when they're receiving your blood and right. sustaining your life. And right. I, if, if, if you prefer, I can read this little. No, absolutely. I want right. to so I got the picture of my um, key donor ring in there, right? Okay. Uh, that I've included. And I go, when I donate blood, I do not specify the preferred color and creed of the recipient. I simply give my blood to all those that may need it. How can society never question the color of my skin when I'm literally pumping life into them? And yet they get scales of injustice in their eyes when they metaphorically suck the life right out of me with the intrinsic racial chauvinism. My blood donor key ring breeds no contempt and discrimination. Neither does my heart. Love is the recipe for our society to eradicate systemic discrimination. Cohesion healing is a task for all. No man is an island. We all need to work in concert with each other to bring effective, lasting, and positive affirmation of change. Wow. That so is so you, beautiful. That's one thing I had to live. You know, every, every time you go uh, to pump out blood, you're doing it to help people you don't even know. And people accept it, but yet when they look at you as a human being, they don't value you. No, it's profound. That's right, and they will take your heart, they will take your kid, uh, liver, your spleen, all of these organs, but they never ask. They just want to sustain life. Uh, do you have children? No. You have nieces and nephews. Yes, I do. What are you? What are your hopes for them in this world that we're in? Obviously, I want them to have a better experience than I did, and you know, to look at life from a different lens than what I was exposed to. For them to see that there's opportunity, not just gloom, and those opportunities are the opportunities that they may have to create. Because if you rely on society and on anyone else, they're going to start really low. And sometimes they remain low. Okay, so it remains low, but you excelled. I mean, you are a woman in the information technology space. 
not only did you break the glass ceiling as you know a woman of color in a foreign country but that's a pretty male dominated industry or it has been i mean it's evolved now so much how did you do that yeah wow again it was one step at a time it wasn't easy and i remember when i first began working it is a male dominant uh, dominated industry and men would be using the f-bombs the you know every other kind of bomb swearing ranting raving and i'd be like wow really so eventually you learn to adapt you learn to uh that if you don't adapt you're going to sink and while you adapt i had to learn to still be salt and light so you know not lose the essence of my values and principles uh bring them into the fold and become friendly but not get watered down so they well, that could... was a very delicate dance that you were doing because um it's easy to be ignored to be suppressed to not be able to get advancement equal pay you know that's just, that's that's it and you know a, with a cultural divide um I'm sure that it was really tough. Are you married? Yes, it is extremely tough, uh, especially for a woman of color. I still get it all the time, you know, um, for my accomplishments. People are at the table, you know, at the boardroom table, and they feel entitled. Uh, they feel, why am I at this position and why not them? Mm. And, people, and people have challenged me. And I've learned to voice myself. I've learned what to say no to and what to say yes to. I've learned how to address it. And quite often we have organizations, which I've written about, that pronounce their values and um, you know what they stand for as an organization. But really when it comes down to the crunch, they don't enforce it. They don't mandate their employees and um get them to come in alignment so it's the hard task it's like swimming upstream for the victim to stand up and say hey this is not right mm -hmm. and and i am where i am because most of the time i had to stand up and say hey this is inappropriate or i had to walk away from million dollar contracts because it didn't align with my values. Right. And I was taken to something better where I found my level of contentment. I think what I what I learned as well is to distinguish from what's, you know, just going to serve me a paycheck and what's gonna bring me contentment. Right. It's all about at the end of the day, it's all about joy and self-preservation. And yes. you have to stand up for yourself. You know, I know that uh, I have been in situations where I've been the only piece of pepper in the salt shaker. Absolutely. But you know what I do is when people come to me with a side eye, I educate them, you know, because I'm going to tell you, there's an underlying envy that uh, people don't talk about. And that is our courage. And that is our tenacity. And that is our way with all to stand up to adversity and still forge ahead. 
and what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And so we have, to, we have to be that voice of reason, that equalizer. So I take every opportunity I can to, you know, as long as you don't put your hands on me, uh, that's fine. I was in the grocery store during the, during the George Floyd, I don't know if you know about the police officer yeah. that, that killed the, the gentleman and put his knee on his neck. And I rock an Afro, you know, I like to wear hair options, but I have a big Afro. And the woman was in the uh, the Target and she was saying, oh, uh, and I don't know why Black lives need to matter any more than anybody else's. And why is somebody else more special than this? And she was talking loud and she was directing it at me. So I had a choice to make at that time. And I said, you know, April, do you want to be on the evening news on TikTok or Twitter? Or do you want to make this a learning opportunity? And what I opt to do is to make it a learning opportunity for her. And I gave her my business card and I pulled it to the side and I said, you know what, sweetie? I don't know what anyone has ever done to you. I don't know what you might've heard. I said, but if you'd like to have a cup of coffee and talk about it one-on-one, -on -one, I'd love to do it. I said, but to disrespect me here in Target, that's what you will not do. And she went from here all the way down. And as we both walked out the store, she winked at me, you know, so you have to stand up for it. Wow. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be combative. You don't have to, you know, give them old one, two, even though you want to. But that's not a way to educate people. And this new generation that we have, millennials, they care nothing about the color of your skin. That's the last thing they're worried about. They want technology. They want to be able to have health care. They want to be able to work from a smart device, you know, somewhere on the beach. This colorism is such a waste of time so now you have a goal to enhance humanity what does that look like what's on your agenda absolutely so i guess starting with um with everyone who wants to listen and uh transforming people to think critically because even though the world watched those 37 seconds, I think, of the knee on George Floyd's um, neck. Metaphorically, there's so many knees on so many necks. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it's, it's not just that it comes from a certain generation. It's the poison's pot is turned and it's passed on from generation to generation epigenetics absolutely and and people don't comprehend what's going on but they know this is how my grandparents or my parents have conditioned me and they move on so you know from one of my experience i go to a um, book club in sydney and they are all older women older than i am you know decades older and we get along fine. We have, we've had great fun, you know, reading some really nice genres of books. And when I published my book, they actually read my book. And I think it's for the first time in their life, they had an eye opener mm. because they were not exposed to the lived experience that I had. So it brought us to open up real conversations around the table. And some of them were like, oh, I don't think we have racism in Australia. Mm -hmm. And my jaw dropped. And others were like, oh, yeah, we do. 
And I guess that's what's on my agenda, you know. As the First bring, Nations people, you know. Exactly. To bring education where there's ignorance, to bring healing where there was wounds, to bring um, uh, enlightenment, because that's what we lack, enlightenment. We, we, and one thing that touched me was one of the ladies mentioned, well, this is what our parents taught us. They, they you know, told us we should always fear that or, you know, not align with that. And I was, I was in shock when I heard it and I realized, wow, I'm like 20 years younger, but I've had so much more experience, you know, in this area of life. And obviously because they are for certain demographic, they have not been exposed to it. So my agenda is actually to take my experience to the world. And, you know, many people, it's, it's 350 pages and I haven't covered everything, but it's, it's a good mix of most things that I've endured. I donated some of my books to South Africa. August is the month, Women's Month in South Africa and the organization that I donated my books farmed my book out to um, women that they thought you know needed to to read it and hear the message and I got a woman who read my book and uh, contacted me via messenger I don't know her from above so and... didn't know this woman no so she was a stranger to me she contacted me via messenger and she said hey I'm reading your book and for the first time I feel like I can live and I can breathe. And she's like, I'd love to talk to you. And it's 3 a.m. in Australia. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know what? I'm happy to have a conversation. And she rings me via messenger. And she said to me, it's been six months since my husband committed suicide. Mm -hmm. and, and she said to me, he killed himself on my birthday. And I haven't had a proper meal since then. Oh. I haven't had a single full night's sleep. And I never thought that I'd get over the pain. But I'm reading your book. And for the first time, I'm getting a sense of hope. I feel like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And she was crying. And she was saying to me, I for the first time feel like I can connect to a human being that understands what pain really is. Because I know you've endured this and you've come up the other side, it gives me hope. And by the end of it, we both were in tears and the healing had began for her. And she was like, if there's anything I would have wanted in the world, I would have you know, wanted the opportunity to get my life back the way it was and she said I know it will never be the same but reading your book is giving me that color back into my life and that's my agenda April is to bring hope to humanity well I really and truly believe um, in what you're saying I understand your cause I live your plight um, and there is hope there is hope. It's with education. It's with conversation. It's with great books. 
and you know just great communication so i don't want to spoil it but uh, i hear that you're in the thralls of creating another masterpiece and we will have more to look forward to i hope that you come back and share that with me and my brains here on the edge uh, Kelly Markey, you are an amazing woman. I love your voice inflection. I hope that you do an audio version of the book. Um, that would just be magnificent that we can just soothe ourselves into it. Um, that would just be great. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to purchase a copy of the book, and how to follow you. Absolutely. Thank you for all that. I am available on most uh, bookstore platforms, so 40,000, wherever you can purchase books. My book is available on Amazon for most countries. You can also obtain a signed copy from my website, which is www.kellymarkey, which is K-E-L-L-Y, and my surname is M-A-R-K-E-Y. I also launched last year a journal which is a timeless journal and that has um, 12 amazing articles one for each month and then inspiring and empowering people so people can get that off my website it's not available in any bookstores so if you go to my website you can order either my book or the journal and get a signed copy well that's amazing i want you to hold that copy up so that we can see it right next to your pretty face don't miss your face. There you go. Yes. Don't just fly soar, brains. We want you to go high. We want you to take it to the next level. But on those wings, carry others with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with me today, Kelly. You're the best. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, brains.